0: Time to chronoskin. This week's X-Books were focused heavily on ideas from way back, featuring characters from the recent past, playing against the new status quo. It's like days of the future, then future, right the fuck now. I'm Nico. I'm Kyle.
1: I'm Dylan.
2: I'm Regina. And I'm Jonah, and we hope you survived the experience, unlike a lot of the villains for the X-Men will, hopefully within the coming books.
0: I, like, really loved one of the books, and then I, like, was pretty okay with one of the books, and then I, like really didn't care for one of the books, but you know what? I think I'm getting ahead of myself. We had an exciting week here on Krakoa, and I think that, of course, means we got to kick things off with some news. Dylan, I think you've got some news items for us.
1: This past week, what I thought was kind of the most interesting news thing was that that we got a peek inside of April's upcoming new title, X-Factor, with some different art for the characters that are going to be in this book and within that new art we also got a new cover that showcased that north star a member of x factor his sister aurora was going to be in an issue and not only is she in the issue she's is also going to be joining the team
0: I, I feel like that's such a weird oh by the way also and aurora Why well, wasn't she with the original announcement that's a weird holdover for me
1: I agree. Why didn't we just know this to begin with? But I mean, I guess it at least gives us an idea of what the first issues, issue one or two story is going to be about. And It's probably them doing something to save Aurora because she's gone crazy again, which adds to me thinking that we already discussed this team is full of LGBTQ members like... Dawkins and North Star and Prodigy. Now we have Polaris and Aurora on the same team.
0: There is some sort of, like, also, like, it's all kind of gay, or maybe all a little bit women in crisis. I, it's painting an interesting picture, that's for sure.
1: And then there's Rachel that's, like, kind of in the middle, and she's, like, a woman in crisis and kind of coded as gay but won't come out. Oh,
0: poor Rachel. She's kind of gay, kind of in crisis... She's got it hard, man. She's, you know, she's from the future past, so her shit's tricky. Jonah, I know you don't know too much about Aurora's more recent history, but when you last left Aurora, she and her brother were inseparable. Now you've been hearing all about Northstar on his own. What is it like to try and connect the dots of where the hell Aurora's been all these years?
2: That's okay. I think it's very important for characters like that who are inseparable because they're siblings slash twins. I get it. I'm not a twin myself, so I don't understand that. But I also understand that certain times characters need to be individuals and you can't be an individual if you're always following somebody else around. It's not really fair to either one of them. So I do appreciate the notion that aurora and north star were separated in doing their own things however hearing that she is yet another female character who they wrote as mentally ill i do find that really pointed and kind of gross
3: I really don't know much about Aurora myself. I know she was a member of Alpha Flight. I know that she's Northstar's sister. I just haven't read very much with her. I am kind of freaked out that why did they wait so long to announce that she was going to be part of this? But I certainly welcome her presence. It's going to be interesting. I'm just waiting to see how it's going to come out.
0: Like, yeah, you know, Kyle, that's two votes for it It feels real weird that they just kind of, I don't know, did they forget to mention she was coming? Right? Does that feel weird to you, too?
4: It does feel weird, but I'm also wondering if maybe it has something to do with the mission of X-Factor itself, where they're supposed to be investigating whether somebody has actually died or not, so that they can stick with the resurrection protocols. So maybe this is an instance where she's disappeared.
0: Okay, and they didn't want to... You know what? Okay. I like thinking about it that way. Perhaps they were hoping they can have her be a reveal. And maybe there was enough fan pushback that was just like, nope, we're not going to let you screw her over again. And they said, rather than be all badass about a reveal, we should be specific and make our plans clear to our audience.
1: Hopefully not screwing Aurora over I am actually really happy that Aurora is in this book. It'll actually be almost the 1st X ex-team that Aurora has ever been a part of. Not to go down a rabbit hole of Alpha Flight history or North Star and Aurora history. But way back in the day, I feel like North Star and Aurora were written incredibly well together in Alpha Flight. But then as the years went on and North Star would show up more and more in X-Men books by himself, Aurora kind of got shafted and... She would show up from time to time in like Weapon X books or X Factor books just because she was connected to Wild Child, but she never really has had like her own story by herself like her brother has. And sadly, it kind of just means that she only gets a story when she's with him. So I'm actually glad that she's being brought in because aurora has not had much screen time over the years and if it means that she has to be with her brother to get some, then i'm fine with that
4: there's another little thing that i picked up on it's another one of my little oh look at this little detail that i i noticed i love how they made the the logo of this book The the O it's the inversion of the x-men sex
0: oh that's not that ugh. oh that's awesome I want to say that's nice and that's awesome. That is a would, like, really oh, that's cool an awesome
1: observation. Good job, Kyle. <laughs>
0: but, so this is like the 80th millionth time that Kyle's caught that they're like playing with the logos in some meaningful way and I really like that. Thank you.
1: This past week was Valentine's Day and Marvel released uh, an article kind of updating people on relationships that are kind of going on uh, during the Dawn of X, And they kind of gave it a small list of some relationships and kind of a brief description of what's kind of happening with those. They mentioned Gene, Scott, and Logan, and then to add to what we will be talking about later on in the episode, Mystique and Destiny.
0: You know, I actually loved that Gene, Scott, and Logan article item because I noticed the article on Marvel Insider as well. And I'm not trying to be a shill, but, like, guys, Marvel Insider is my favorite way to, like, not pay for things. You just click some links and read some articles, and, like, you get free shit. So I've been clicking a lot of articles. And when I was clicking on this one, It lists as Gene and Scott are a hot and heavy couple. Also, everybody sees Logan lives there. And I'm like, oh my god!
1: I do love that an article that is so published around for everyone to read that they are throwing in this non-confirmed poly couple so far and that they're not just kind of, like, letting that slide. So that's nice.
0: Keep on banging, guys. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Moving on to... Some more couples from another title, Gambit and Rogue, and Megan and Brian, and I'm really excited that they decided to, even though Megan and Brian's relationship has only kind of really been showcased in like two or three of the issues so far, they are a huge X-Men couple, so I'm glad that they decided to throw them in there.
0: But also, like we're going to discuss a bit later on, I found this article a little disheartening. They describe it as Brian is going to be taking up residence in Otherworld, completely, like, detached from Krakoa, kind of sort of for Megan's sake. And that combined with the beginning of Excalibur this week, I feel like they're just really summarily writing Brian out very quickly, but continuing to name him places and drop him on covers... You know, and like, Jonah, I've been so excited for you to get to Megan and to get to experience her. And you get to experience her being written out.
2: Oh boy, that makes me upset. You know, Megan is a character I've been looking forward to for so long. And to hear that that is her fate, it, it makes me upset. I, I, Why? Marvel, why would you do this to me?
0: I don't know. They're trying to hurt us.
2: I
3: kind of feel like... Megan is kind of in the same boat as Monet. Like, they're two characters who have incredible power, and it's like writers don't want to touch them for that reason. Like, they are so super, for lack of a better word, that they don't have any type of imagination to use in order to really make them amazing on the page, and they're afraid of portraying them incorrectly. I don't know if that's what it is or not, but that's just kind of how I'm feeling right now because I'm like, I love Megan and I love Monet, and I just need some of them, and you guys are not letting me have them
1: moving on to another title this list did include ice man and christian frost again like i mentioned with being happy about the poly couple being mentioned i should have said this about mystique and destiny but i'm glad that this list has a lot of non-heterosexual couples listed
0: yeah there's so much gay here and like I kind of wish it wasn't all partially problematic, but I'll take the gay where I can get the gay. If you've got the gay for me, give me the gay. I'll take the gay, you've got the gay. Gay, gay, gay. gay. So give you the gay? I just, I do like that this got spotlight, but it did make me realize there's like no other romantic relationships really running around in Marauders, or for that matter, X-Force, which was left off the list.
4: I don't really think that X-Force has any room at the moment for a romantic relationship. It's really more of a strike I'll team that at up. the moment, so it doesn't really feel like a, a book that would be a good place to incubate something like that.
1: Or they are just showcasing Beast's love for himself.
0: Fair so... enough.
1: <laughs> Moving on to the last... Title: New Mutants. There's been a few different relationships shown in there. The marriage relationship of Cannonball and the Shi'ar Empire member Smasher, and we've gotten to see Angel and Beak's relationship, which we haven't seen in a few years, and the possibly budding, flirting romance of Glob and Pixie.
0: I, I, uh, I. I feel none, like
4: Bob none and Pixie is kind of pushing the limits on what you consider a relationship.
0: Well, it's they're a, a potential couple. Will the flirting go further, as are Birdo and Deathbird? But it makes me note that there are some like flirtings that they left out, I guess, like... This just feels like a very arbitrary list.
1: I completely agree because not that I am so fixated on Monet like Regina is as well, but the first issue of you Mutants discussed about how Monet and Sink have been spending time together and everyone knows that Monet and Sink, well, I mean everyone who's read, knows that Monique and Sink had a relationship back in Generation X years and years ago before he died. So I feel like if we're going to take one or two panels of Glob flirting or even Glob just talking about liking Pixie, he didn't even really flirt with her and Pixie kind of looked at him and flew away. So it's not really reciprocated. So yes, I agree. This list is a little arbitrary.
0: Or glob. And I actually want to point out a small piece of news I came across, which is that there's going to be a British kind of like kind of like Excalibur cousiny leftover British characters that always get kind of ex-office but aren't really ex-office. Uh title called The Union, and it's gonna feature a bunch of the British characters that everybody kept thinking it may inevitably show up in Excalibur and haven't. There's been no details on the title other than John Hickman is involved as it is in the X office, but we do know that it will feature British characters and everything else is under wraps.
1: I'm actually pretty excited about this. Uh, I feel like Marvel years ago tried really hard with their British titles and it worked for a very short amount of time. And... Especially when those titles were going on at the same time as the original Excalibur. So I feel like the Dawn of X having an Excalibur title again is making Marvel believe that maybe this is a good time to have... British titles again and I'm actually pretty excited about that because once again to listeners who have always heard me say this a million different times I love z-list characters and unfortunately uh when it comes to British heroes and, and especially this splash page image for this news these are characters that no one really knows and I like that.
0: I do too. I think it's a really good opportunity to get some characters in who haven't gotten enough exposure. I'm
4: interested to to learn more of these characters. Absolutely.
3: So this week we are covering Excalibur number seven and our creative team is writer Teeny Howard, artist Marcus Two, Inker Orin Junior, the color artist is Eric Arseniega and the letterer is VC's Corey Pettit.
0: You know, I thought the beginning of this book kicked things off at a really weird pitch. I don't know that I'm super okay with some of the language that was used. I'm kind of bothered that they're having Betsy say that because her brother was tortured, he just can't have the sword near him. Like, he's a recovering alcoholic, and I don't think that just saying, oh, no more alcohol ever in the world is realistic. And it just sort of feels kind of flat to me here.
3: Yeah, the first, I don't know, the first several pages did not really grab me other than Shogo is wanting to stay a dinosaur or a dragon, not a dinosaur. But the way that Betsy approached Brian's issue, I was kind of like, I don't understand your point of view from here. It just struck me as bad.
4: (laughs) I'm with you. Yeah, I kind of side with Roga on this argument. Betsy should be trying to convince brian that it's not the sword it's how
0: you use it yeah it's it's about the wielder not the power itself i
2: i think my problems are along with everyone else the beginning of it did seem a little ham hocked that's not really a phrase but i am gonna make it one now (laughs) and it's (laughs) so slow and that part of the story felt really removed from What the rest of the issue was talking about. The rest of this issue, it felt more like a very classic issue of a comic where it's like the team is given a mission and they go out and do that mission and they cut off right when everyone is like in the midst of danger and the enemy is revealed. I kind of did like that classic formula. I wish the beginning was better. I wish there was maybe more Betsy, Brian, Jamie dynamic.
1: Like Jonah said, I kind of wish there was more to the Betsy Bryan part. I prefer comics with the little mission detail, like Jonah said, but maybe they could have had at least one more issue. To wrap up the whole Brian thing, it just seems like the first few pages of this were okay. Brian's going to stay on Otherworld, and he doesn't want to be around his family anymore. And we're yeah, going to hide this. It still. was like let's get that storyline over and with. Yeah, like we had four pages that ended the storyline of the first six issues very quickly, and then hey, now let's have this mission, which was kind of cool. I love that we are getting to see. The war bulbs again. And like Regina said, I love the little shogo part about how he wants to stay a dragon. But I also want to say that I hope this just isn't their way of saying, hey, we have Jubilee back in books again. And crap, she has a child. We have to think of something to do. Hey, he wants to be a dragon. And let's just leave him on Otherworld with Megan and Brian. That, I don't like that. Like, we made her a mom. Let's do something about that.
0: Yeah, I definitely put that in my notes.
4: I am really annoyed with the way that they're writing Jubilee specifically because of this. They make her out to be an incredibly poor parent who does not care about her child. And it frustrates me. It really frustrates me because it's like she doesn't understand the responsibility. I
1: completely agree with that. I know some pretty huge Jubilee fans, and they were very excited that Jubilee was a part of Excalibur. But First of all, it's basically been the Betsy show since the start, and it's like there's only two types of Jubilee. There is Jubilee that is a teenager that does nothing except for act like a grumpy little teenager, or there's this Jubilee who's a mom, but like the worst parent ever. And I just wish that they would do something that would actually make Jubilee seem like a way better character than those two notes that she's been given in these seven issues so far.
0: I think some of that is the curse of the animated series. Once people have this idea of a character in a very specific sense they have trouble moving it forward and even when a great writer comes along with a great way to do it it can be so difficult to get an audience not just to accept this new version of this character but to move forward with it like it's almost they're like it's almost like fans will say oh that was a lot of fun for this one arc please don't make me do it again
3: I'm a huge Jubilee fan. And up until
0: now, I've
3: really enjoyed her journey into motherhood because she didn't have to take on this kid. And I've seen her in other comics where she's a very attentive, caring mother. She puts Shogo before everything else. And then I kind of felt like this, not just reversed it, but there's like this panel where she's saying, you know, let's go for pints. And I was just like, this is like that mommy culture, moms who love wines thing. And it just didn't feel like the Jubilee that I've seen before with Shogo. Um, I'm not saying you can't have a drink every now and then, but it just felt like a callback to a lot of the the mommy wine culture. And it rubbed me the wrong way. I really didn't like that.
0: I agree. In my notes, I have it say that Jubilee says being mom is hard. Give to Megan.
3: And that just didn't feel right. After everything that she's been through with this baby, that she would just (laughs) give them away. (laughs) It doesn't.
1: Jubilee has had Shogo yeah, for the past couple of years, and it's kind of changed her. But even prior to that, Jubilee went through a crap ton of things. Jubilee almost died, and Jubilee then lost her powers, and then Jubilee became a vampire. Like, she has a lot more depth than the character that we have seen in these past six issues.
0: I also thought that there was a huge jump back with Cullen. I love the Bloodstone family and I love queer ass Cullen and I just felt like he had already defeated his monster so this whole story it was great to see him but then I kind of felt like I don't know there's something weird where all of the queer characters here seem like they're not trustworthy and that kind of bothers me but it very much seems to me like Richter kind of can't be trusted because he's a little too into apocalypse and now Cullen is like oh I'm just here to kill some mutants and I'm like why
2: it harkens back to villains and like video games and movies that are severely queer coded and that like all the gays are evil listen it has been no secret that i am potentially marvel's biggest elsa bloodstone fan and <laughs> i want to put her in every single book and title that i can it does not have to make sense i am going to do it that being said i was just weirded out about everything that he did and it's not that he it's because he's a creepy character because he is kind of a creep and that's fine you can have creeps in your book it was it, nothing felt genuine because he seemed so hot and cold on all of the different issues of like gentlemen it's time for the hunt and then he's hunting mutants and it's like is this the most dangerous game i didn't realize we were reading that short story now it was it was just weird because it felt like he was a character that they didn't know exactly what they were doing with so they kind of threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall and a lot of conflicting stuff stuck together
3: I'm just uncomfortable with the way they address the werewolves, and they're just like, yeah, let's go kill the werewolves. And I know the werewolves are killers, but they are sentient beings. And just to see them casually decapitating them, that grossed me out so hard. I was like, I I just, it made me so uncomfortable. The art is beautiful, but I really love Alan Davis's take on the werewolves, and these were more, uh bird-like then wolf-like dinosaur-like
0: <laughs> they were yeah okay beak-like. dino-like
3: And just not really what i'm used to and i guess i was kind of okay with the way the way that rogue took her werewolf out but just to see the other one just kind of casually beheaded and then she wears the pelt and i was like oh that just feels
1: icky
4: <laughs> yeah that was kind of gross i get it But I don't know, it just feels off.
1: I agree with what Nico said about Richter. I like Richter as a character, and I need them to explain more as to why he's just so accepting of this druid-like look and being so... So into Apocalypse, like Nico said, like, I really feel like something had to have been done to Richter in between Apocalypse going and getting him and bringing him to Krakoa, and I feel like there could possibly be the chance of maybe Apocalypse did do something to him, and that there's, like, a secret... Four Horsemen being made or something, because the Richter that I know from comics doesn't just necessarily go along with what other people say to do. And yeah, I just, I want there to be more dealt with Richter. So
3: next we're going to take a look at X-Force number seven, and our creative team is writer Benjamin Percy, artist Oscar Bazaldua, color artist Gure EFX. And letterer was V.C.'s Joe Caramagna.
0: So I just want to double check. has Was anybody more recent on books than me? And didn't they just do there's like an un-Domino? Like, didn't we just do that? But like totally different?
3: I feel like this is a recurring theme with Domino's character. Just even way back in the 90s with Copycat.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, okay. I get that. There's always some sense of it's okay to come at Domino for some reason.
1: I believe you are correct, Nico. I believe her recent series, or right before the recent series, there was some sort of anti-Domino character.
0: Like, they received all of Domino's bad luck.
1: Yes. I don't like it because it makes it feel like the only, like, it almost makes Domino almost come off like Regina mentioned earlier, as this all-powerful character that you don't know what to do with. Okay, well then let's have a character that is an anti-her, and that's the only thing we can think of. Domino is way too good of a character to not be able to think more outside the box.
0: How is just not the same as Domino an entire character? How is that a defining trait, just not Domino?
2: Recently in our group chat, I brought up who would win in a fight, Domino or Shamrock? You know Shamrock, everyone should know her. She was introduced in Marvel's Contest of Champions, the Irish red-headed daughter of, I think, the Mafia. But they have the exact same power set. She's not a mutant. The reason why I bring this up is because at the very end of the issue, Domino just says something along the lines of, I guess I'm just lucky or I have a way with luck or some bullshit thing like that. And it reminded me of how they wrote Shamrock and it bothered me.
0: Gosh and Begore, me i am so lucky, nobody (laughs) can take my lucky charms
2: yeah how did you quote shamrock's catchphrase
0: uh because i would never forget such a classic catchphrase
2: i don't think it addressed domino in the right way i was really happy to find out that they were going to discuss what was going on with domino with her powers and how it's not really working exactly the way they should be but i felt like they they caught the ball And like they were about to throw it, but then they dropped it on Domino. I remember when that, when the article came out about talking about this mutant who everything that, every time that Domino used her good luck, something bad would happen to him. And I remember messaging Nico being like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever read. How, like, that is so unfair. How could you, uh, why would you torture a character like that? And at the end of the day, I am happy with direction it's going, but the path they took to get there doesn't make me the happiest.
0: I agree. It felt very, oh, this is why they skinned her? Oh my god. Well,
4: it's definitely one of the reasons they skinned her. (laughs)
3: i really i love the art in almost every page except for the last page the last page looked a little rushed to me but i really loved watching domino kind of running out her frustration and when she bumps into peter on the beach and he's painting i don't know if anybody noticed i hope you did but it looks like the, the painting he's doing is of mikhail
1: i i was totally gonna mention that like we haven't seen Mikhail in a very long time, and, like, I can't think of anyone else that, that that painting would be a picture of. And, I mean, we're talking about all the mutants moving to one place, and we haven't seen Mikhail. Everyone else gets to see their crazy evil brother be resurrected, like Jamie Braddock, but we haven't seen Peter and Iliana's brother.
0: And, you know, it does feel to me sometimes like everybody's got an evil, super interdimensional brother.
1: Vulcan, Mikael, <laughs>
2: Jamie.
1: Am I missing anyone? In plate Since we brought up Colossus, one, I'm glad that we had that moment of Colossus and Domino because a few years ago, uh, they actually had Colossus and Domino. They were a couple. They they were. I think they were in the X Force book that was called Cable and X Force.
2: They were actually a very well liked couple, and they were. It was written well, and it was a very well received from the fans
1: relationship. Correct. But the beginning and for page about the book and Colossus it said that Colossus died I thought Colossus was put in the room with healer and I thought he was being healed I didn't think that they actually killed Colossus but the beginning of the book said that he died and was resurrected I'm really confused
4: yeah I'm confused by that too I definitely thought that he was still alive when he was rescued by the marauders
0: Yeah, I think that they may be getting so excited about all the resurrecting that they're maybe getting a little murder excited.
4: (laughs) I think I
3: saw on Twitter they said it was a mistake, but my headcanon is that he did die, kind of like Buffy did at the end of the first season, but was immediately brought back. (laughs) So he kind of died, but was immediately revived.
1: (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to accept that because someone was in that healing room and killed that reaver- and no one knows who killed him, and it was most likely Colossus. So no, they messed up, and I need it fixed.
0: You know, I also thought it was a really bold use of Sage so much.
2: I'm here for Sage having importance in doing things. I don't know. From what Nico has told me, Sage has kind of just been like a their character. Like, she just kind of appeared, and no one really wanted to use her. She was, you know, the first X-Man who was placed (laughs) in... A secret mission by Xavier to infiltrate the Hellfire Club. But if if you can correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like she hasn't done much of importance of that level of importance since then. So I'm I'm really happy that a character like Sage gets to, you know, shine and do some really cool things.
4: One other little thing that I felt really uncomfortable about. There's a data page focused on Beast's logbook, where we learn that he has Forge build some kind of uh, spyware that he has decided it needs to be be installed in all of the major networks of the world like the white house and avengers mountain and stark uh Stark's stuff so i uh, yes stark yeah, stuff stark, stark industry <laughs> Next stuff all the tech stuff. And I'm really uncomfortable with them making this leap toward this,
0: this kind of attack. Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. things are progressing at a pretty fast pace in X-Force.
3: Our next book is X-Men number six. The creative team is the writer, Jonathan Hickman. The artist is Matteo Bufagni. The color artist is Sonny Go, And the letter is VC's Clayton Cowles. I'm ready to see shit burn! <laughs>
0: I loved this. It was everything we needed. Mystique, Mystique, Mystique.
2: Marvel, listen to me. They <laughs> try. If you listen to last We Are Kokoa, I said that Mystique should have gotten her own giant size to talk about why she isn't banging pots and pans in Xavier's ear that Destiny is not back yet. And they listened.
4: It was amazing. It was amazing. And we also got more of the Orcus in, uh, plot line, which we've been wondering about as well.
2: Again, something else I noted that they should have done. It's like, Marvel knows what I want 50% of the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They get close, they try. Mm -hmm.
1: I just want to say I agree with everyone. Like, it was a really great issue. Everyone on the internet feels the same too, because everyone is, it seems like, rooting for Mystique. And wanting to see the island burn... And, um, I mean, one of the reasons that everyone is so very happy about this Mystique issue is because there is the one panel where Mystique once her wife brought back. And this is the first time that it has been mentioned in comics that Mystique and Destiny are married.
4: It's about damn time. Absolutely. And if I could just go off,
3: because Xavier and Magneto are so clearly just dangling that carrot. And it's like, well, you did this, but now we need you to do this. Oh, oh, you did this, but now we need to confirm this. And it's like, okay, you, you guys, enough is enough. Everybody else has, in my opinion, everybody has an agenda. So Minister's got an agenda. Apocalypse has an agenda. Charles and Eric has an agenda. All Mystique is asking for. Her slate has been wiped clean, just like everyone else's. They're starting from a new ground zero. Give her her wife back. That's all
4: that she's asking for.
0: Well, her super dangerous psychic wife, but I am on your side. I just need to stress, super dangerous psychic wife.
4: So we should probably also note that even though they thought that Nimrod was a result of the mother mole coming online, that wasn't actually the case.
0: Yeah. The direct so line, yeah.
4: There's- That's so There has to be some other thing that triggers the creation of Nimrod and leads to the eventual destruction of Mutes.
0: This was such an important issue that moved so many things from House of X and Powers of Ten forward. Where we felt like so much of X Men hasn't done that.
1: And like you just mentioned about House of X and Powers of Ten, I loved that this issue took us back to issue four of House of X to show us what Mystique was actually doing. I feel like that was something that everyone missed on the space mission where the X Men went up to Orcus because. Everyone that Nightcrawler teleported from the X Men's ship onto the Orca's ship had a mission of something to do, and we knew that he teleported Mystique someplace. And then the next thing we saw happen, she was being killed and thrown out an airlock. So it's actually awesome that we got to go back and see what Mystique was actually doing because he wouldn't just send Mystique to do something that she would fail at.
0: I really just loved seeing the way Mystique and Destiny were able to keep playing off of each other out of time and context.
3: So, how many Mystiques do you guys think is running around right now?
4: (laughs) Oh my god, I hope it's like five. I
2: hope it's twelve, and she has her own Mystique council.
0: Ooh. Oh my god, some sort of weird mystique and sinister, because sinister would have to be helping her, I assume. Like, some sort of weird mystique and sinister super council thing? I love it. I love it. Ugh, I love it.
1: I wanted to throw in real quick, uh, I'm not sure if this is it, but it kind of feels like it. We all know that, so far, Hickman likes to throw in little things here or there that are callbacks to years-ago issues, or years-and-years-and-years-ago issues. There was a series a few years ago, it was after the much-publicized death of Wolverine, there was a series that was called The Wolverines, and it starred Mystique, Sabretooth, X-23, Lady Deathstrike, and I feel like there's someone else that I can't remember, but in one of those issues, there was a whole lot of panels of Mystique- thinking about destiny and things like that and towards the end of one of those issues mystique was watching some video recording that she had found of destiny and destiny said the exact same thing that was towards the end of this panel about telling mystique to bring her back and so i just love the fact that hickman even grabbing a line from a series that i don't think a lot of people read to just showcase his love for X Men comics and the love for Mystique and Destiny.
3: So we do make a lot of noise sometimes about women versus women, and in comics, you know, we've got a lot of cattiness, like between Emma Frost and Jean Grey, or you know, whoever's fighting over some dude. But I really love that in this in this particular story, we have Mystique, we have Destiny, and we have Moira, and they are three women who are having this big ideological divide, and they all have their own agendas. And I'm like, okay, people, this is how you write a story. If you want women to be fighting, this is how you do it. You have something ideological. It's not over a guy. It's not over some Hattie issue. It's a real issue for every single one of these women. This is how you do it. These three women are dynamic. They have their own set of power. They've got their own thing that they're doing. And to, to watch them go against each other, it's akin to what we see with Magneto versus Xavier. And I love love that. I am so here for it. And I, I just had to get that off my chest.
0: <laughs> and you know, with an ending like that, there just really isn't more to say. Amazing point, Regina.
2: Today we looked at a bunch of issues where Marvel is starting to tie up the loose threads that they're leading. And I am super appreciative of that. I'm super appreciative of the leaps and bounds that they're taking with a bunch of characters. I know Mystique and Destiny finally being, you know, canonized as a couple is an amazing, amazing, amazing step that made me so happy. But I also know that we had a couple of back steps with characters, whether it's Jubilee, potentially Domino, a little bit of Betsy. It feels like some characters are really getting the best foot forward and some characters they don't know exactly what they want to do with yet. That being said, Kyle, what's coming out next week
4: next week we have marauders number eight new mutants number seven and the premiere of wolverine which will come with four different covers we also have marvel masterworks uncanny x-men volume 12 coming
0: out. i can't believe the masterwork line has been going that long yeah that's that's a
4: lot of books huh
0: really is
4: But until next week, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you?
1: Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group that Regina helps me moderate. That is called House of X. Or you can find me on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Regina, where can everyone find you?
3: You can find me on Twitter at TheRedQueen underscore G. On Instagram at the Red Queen underscore on underscore IG. And you can also find me at the new House of Goblin Queen that Dylan is helping me with. And that is my tribute to Madeline Pryor Who will always be the love of my life
0: <laughs> Oh my god I have so loved getting to be part of that And I have loved being a part of the new House of Bishop There's been so much fun opportunity To not just talk about how much I love the X-Men In general over in House of X But these smaller groups actually give you a chance To like get to know the characters like On an intimate level And that's something that we really strive for here On We Are Krakoa We want to understand the characters
2: and Jonah, where can everybody find you? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Peak Jonah because I'm, no, you know, just kind of lucky like that. Nico, <laughs> where can everybody find you?
0: You guys can find me all over this amazing network, whether it's on shows like HTML, which we're currently doing with Kyle, his amazing husband, Stephen, as well as Jonah and Dylan talking about some Star Wars. Or over on my webcomic, Kid Riot at Kid Riot Comics, whether it's the X Men portals we run like X's for podcasts or we are as well as on my Instagram over at NicoAction, and that's N I C O A C T I O N. And guys, until we come back to Krakoa to talk about some Wolverine Ring, we'll see ya.